This podcast contains strong language, details of drug use, violence, recounting of traumatic events and themes which listeners may find upsetting. Welcome to another episode on the Recovery Hub podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin, and this week I had the pleasure of interviewing Rachel. The interview with Rachel was brilliant. She was really easy to talk to, really bubbly, and we just had a a laugh, really. And I know I say this a lot on this podcast, but she was an inspiration. Like, is she a resilience to everything that life's thrown on it? And just the way she's picked herself back up and the way she carries on each day, like... That just inspires me. A lot of people on this podcast have inspired me in different ways, you know. And I take a little bit from each person, really, and try to apply that to my life. But, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed interviewing Rach. It was brilliant. Enjoy. We are going. So, Rach, finally got you in here, girl, made up. Hi, Caitlin. Lovely to be here. Lovely to see you. So... I want to know a bit about your background, your story. Okay. Um, I'll start um, from my childhood, really. Um, So I was born into a very dysfunctional family um, of alcoholics. And um, I was basically um, dragged up, if you will, Um. And one of my mum's famous um, sayings was, you should be seen and not heard. So my mum liked to party. Um, She'd often play the guitar and get drunk. And I'd see her displaying violence towards her mother, my nana, who also lived with us. Um, And then this violence, you know, soon um, she would... She would um, begin hitting me and and, uh, clawing my face and all sorts. And one of her favourite things that she liked to do was grab me by my hair and, you know, kind of swing me around. And that kind of began from, um, I think, from about the age of four, five or six, somewhere somewhere around there. Um, So... I was very insular. I was very, I didn't know what to feel. I didn't, um, you know, it was kind of, it was It was a very frightening environment to be in for a little child um, who wasn't given any sort of guidance in life, any nurture, any um, real true affection and, you know, all all the, the, the good, healthy kind of love and nurturing of... Um, Growing up, um, it sounds alien to you. Like you didn't know any difference, you no, know, by the no. sounds of it. it. Sounds chaotic. Yeah, very, very. It was, um, you know, lots of partying. And my mum had a best friend, and she had um, two sons, and we were all the same age. So just me and um, my mum's best friend's two sons. Um, we would, we would, we'd be. I, I, I have memories, you know, of of them locking us out of the house, and there being puddles. It raining, and and we're very young, and we're dipping our hair in the puddles and all that. Yeah, we'll, we'll do this, so they'll let us back in. They think we're soaked, oh, you know. Also, <laughs> make a game up. Yeah. So we learn, we learn, I guess, kind of fast. Um, how to survive, innit? How to survive. Absolutely, how to survive. There was no, there's no other way I can put it. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, that's just what uh, I felt. Like, I feel I feel that vibe, you know, like you were basically like surviving and yeah. you're children, you're a, you're a child, you know what I mean? Yeah, we do. Now, another way, Caitlin, I, I will put it as well, is I had no childhood. Um, and I guess I think in a lot of ways now, where I'm at in my life, you know, at 49 years of age, um, you know, God willing, which, you know, I really feel this in my heart, soul and, and completely in my life um, in October, you know, I'll, I will be eight years clean. Um, thank you. Um, after sort of like just over 30 years in addiction. Um, so, so going back to that childlike thing, a lot of that is coming out in me now. Um, like I'm getting into art, I'm, yeah. I'm, um, I'm able to explore them parts 
um, of the childhood I never had, um, which, which I'm embracing. That's as well. amazing that you're embracing it, like yeah. that inner child yes. coming out. Yeah, and I give her all the love and acceptance, you know, because um, obviously when you're a child and you're in it, you 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 don't know which way to look, what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, what's you know, you've just you're living in a life that's so chaotic. Um, and, and, you know, and, and you've got all this sort of crookedness around you. And um, so, you know, we do live what we learn. It's scary, isn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very, very scary. Very, very scary. And, you know, so that then it, it completely ties into, you know, the um, disease of addiction. Yeah. You know, how that is fear based. So. My fear began, I guess, um, I don't know, I'm going to, perhaps when I could walk or perhaps maybe, no, I, I probably wasn't as susceptible or, or, or aware of it that young. Um, maybe around, I'm thinking the ages three or four, five, when I could, you know, grasp at kind of a little bit um, of, 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 because there was a lot of arguments, there was a lot of carrying on, there was a lot of just complete destruction and chaos around yeah. me. It's like that saying, isn't it? Monkey see, monkey do. Like, yeah. For example, if I, my dad's screaming at my mum and I'm like too little to understand what's going on, I will then deem that acceptable and mm-hmm. start picking on like my brothers and sisters. Yeah. It's like a pecking order thing as well. Yes. I'm like, that's how you behave, that's normal, because it was normal for them to do it, so I, I just copy them, do you know yes, what I mean? Yes, this must be the way. Yeah, totally, you know, we're, 100%. Absolutely, because we're witnessing it, aren't we? We're yeah. there, we're part of it, we're seeing it go on. So the childlike mind and that young mind is like a sponge, so it's it's drawing it in. Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. and it becomes part of your whole being and yes. part of the way you see the world totally. and, you know... Um, but it, oh my gosh, it brings so many. Um, uh, it does bring a great deal of survival and stuff, but it brings so many um, self-sabotaging and self-destructive um, coping mechanisms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when did that start then? You know, like the the not wanting to feel. You mm-hmm. know, like when did you first like use? Okay. Like, when did that start, you know, like? Um, that I first, I think the first substance I ever had was alcohol and that was probably around the age of six at one of my mum's parties. It was a can of breaker. Uh, there are lots of people in. She's got the guitar playing and stuff. Um, and I think it was kind of late on at night because, as I say, there was no structure, there was no routine. Yeah. Um, I can remember them passing me. Might have been my older brother. I uh, can't remember who gave it me. And 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 of course, all the older drunken people around me are watching me. And I've took a sip of it, and maybe a couple more sips. But I can't. I don't recall really at that point. And I put this down to all my drug abuse. Really, I can't say whether that how that made me feel at that point. Yeah. But that was the first time. And then with the two lads I've told you about, uh, my mum's best friends, they were like my brothers, I can remember him getting a little bullet of weed one time and he took me into the bathroom, the three of us, and he had a glass and he put the glass on a like a shelf. He burnt this little bit of weed, put the glass over it and then would move the glass out of the way or, or forward a bit, so we sucked up the smoke. Yeah. So that was the first. That's how I first ever took <laughs> took, took cannabis, and oh gosh, that that went on to be the, the one of the drugs of my life. Yeah. Uh, that I loved of my life, um, and hair solvents as well. Um, we would we would um, how would we do it? We'd get a towel. Well, he knew how to do it. He got a towel and he'd spray sort of like the hairspray into the towel, but of course you'd inhale it as yeah. well. And that just gave you a wow, 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 wow. And, and the gas, um, sniffing gas as well. Um, I've, yeah. And, and I tried glue as well. But at the age that I was, going back to your question, I would be when they first started to take a hold, 11, 12. Yeah. Yeah, I was young um, and alcohol, of course, drinking. 
because um, that was, you know, it was still very, it was always prevalent. Yeah. Um, excuse me, that's my phone um, <laughs> in my family. Yeah, but you know, you're fearless at that age. You try everything and anything. You don't know any better. You don't know any different. And if you've got that type of personality, mm-hmm. like we have, mm-hmm. you know, it's escapism. Anything yes. to just feel different, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Take you away from. Because as I as I said before, it's very insular, very yeah. shy, very we can even say very self obsessed, but in a in a frightening way. Yeah. In a, in a scared way. Okay, when I was really young, and um, I think it was when I got to, it was it was around sort of like the nine, ten, eleven years, was when all of a sudden this rebelliousness was born within me, and that kind of I know now today. That came from the hurt that had been suppressed and held yeah. on to and was very insular inside of me because there was nobody I could talk to. There was no, I wouldn't have known what to have said, if I was honest. Yeah. But I was carrying all of this um, damage. Yeah. Damage, real, real bad sort of toxic, bad, um, nasty damage within me I was in... in and then I became rebellious at them ages and substances, woof, that was the door right through. Yeah. That was, you know, hadn't I just been born again? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, um, and, and, and wow, the way they they made me feel and they took me away from um, the home life and all the rest of it, yeah. you know, and then it, it wasn't that long after that I ended up in the care system at the age of 12, um, I'd even not long before blooming thirteen. This is you know I was I'd been sleeping around with boys that were older than me. Yeah. Uh, they were nineteen. Um, and uh, in fact, a, a young lad who's just he goes around to one of my best friends now in today, and he heard this story from me, and he was. He kind of said, you know, why don't you bring that up? Why don't you You'd get, you know, compensation, blah, blah, blah. But I thought, you know, it's years ago, quite a few of them have died due, due to addiction. Do I really have to put myself through that? Yeah. What, just for some money? It was bad. You know, hopefully by people hearing this, you know, I don't want no money for the life. I, I mean, I do want to write books, Caitlin. Yeah. That's my dream. I am going to be moving on to writing just about my life. Just your story out there, right? Yeah. You're going to help... That's it. That's Even what I want to do. One person takes something from it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And like, from what you're telling me now, like, it's inspiring. Thank you. It I, is. I wouldn't. Well, I think one of them's still alive, as far as I know, and I wouldn't want to put. They've had bad lives themselves. Yeah. You know, they they. I'm fully aware that they, but I wouldn't do that. But it was just, you know, the addict mind can jump onto things like that. Ooh, money. Ooh, you know, you know, oh my goodness. It's that obsession, right? Yeah. Absolutely. It's an obsessive, compulsive Mm. thinking disorder, isn't it? Of course it is. Absolutely. You just obsess about everything. Yeah. Absolutely, and it's it's uh, very cunning, isn't it? Very um, powerful, very insidious. Oh God! Very, you know. But I live in the solution today, and I can check myself, and um, you know, and then and then I become aware of that stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's amazing, though. Thank you. Like you can actually sit in and say that today, you know. Thank Not you. Many people can. Mm-hmm. But I was watching, and I came across one of your interviews um, that you've done with Eternal in the past. And it was really interesting to me the way you were talking about how people who aren't in recovery, who haven't been through addiction or who can relate to it on a personal level, how they've helped you and how they've showed you empathy, you know, people that aren't in our position, people mm-hmm. on the other side. Because yeah. I've never had that experience myself. I've always been, like, family mainly, you know, it's, like, embarrassing to be an alcoholic. That's my problem, primarily mm-hmm. alcohol. Or, like, being an addict, like, it's like people are, like, disgusted by me and judge me. And, the stigma. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I've, ne- I've never... So what's that experience been like for you, you know, having a positive... Impact. Yeah, having yeah. people be positive towards you who, who aren't in addiction themselves or haven't been faced with it. It's... um. 
it is a wonderful thing. It yeah. is, Caitlin. It's because um, I guess I think if you break that down to its simplest form, they're kind of becoming educated. I guess because I'm I'm very open. Always have, always have been. I'm yeah. very, I'm such an open person, and I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve and. You know, and 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 I'm quite direct, and I do have a great sense of honesty about me, and people feel it. Yeah, they know it, they feel it. So I guess when I've, you know, the people that have had no experience or personal experience of um, of addiction, but that have helped me, um, I can I can spring a few to mind. Um, the the lady that got me the funding for rehab, my drug and alcohol counsellor, um, lovely lady. Um, you know, she worked alongside with me for a good few years and then obviously the t- deterioration and the massive decline before I got recovery, you know, she was there and she was able to get me the funding. Um, I think, and I don't know, stuff is coming up to my head now as well, right here in the present. And I guess because I never had that love, yeah. um, it it made me more loving if you get that. Yeah. It made me, and, and, and there is something within that as well in the way of uh, yeah, wanting and needing to desperately find that love because I did as a teenager growing up, I did all that, and, and I did it in all the wrong ways. Yeah. You know, sleeping around, sleeping around a oh, bit yeah. and, and all of that, fixing myself, all that and yeah. the, the substances and and um, and all of that carry on. Um, but I guess people could... The people that weren't in recovery, I think they've seen something within me and they kind of thought, despite all of her adversities, despite all of the pain and stuff she's been through, you know, that has kind of untouched her in many ways. She still has kind of like a very good heart. Well, yeah. Um, and I think people can tap into that. They can they can see it and um, because I won't shy away if someone asks me something, you know, I, I'm... I'm um, I'll face the question. Yeah. I'll face whatever's, you know, and I can only sh- tell them honestly what I've been through, I guess. I can't um, speak anyone else's story or their experience, but I have been shown a lot of warmth and a lot of love by people who don't have much of a clue yeah. um, around addiction. And and I think in some ways that may have helped. It may have done it. They may have gone away and thought, oh, my goodness, I didn't see that perspective of it or I didn't kind of know that about it or I didn't look at it that way or yeah. or understand that quite. Um so yeah, yeah, it's been it's 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 very um I guess it's very empowering, I wanna say, when people yeah. that don't, you know, and they, they can they can still show that empathy. Do you think that is because you've been so open to them? Do you know what I mean? Like- I definitely feel it plays a part. Oh a huge part. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's um, you know, we can we can go to the we could go to the term of kind of like people will understand this bearing your soul, yeah. if you will. So I, I guess that I'm I'm kind of okay at doing that. Yeah. At times. It has to be the right circle. because I, 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 we're very intuitive people. Totally. We're highly intuitive people, you know. Um I've never met a dumb, silly, stupid alcoholic or addict in my yeah. life. <laughs> I really haven't, you know, I've, I've yet to, to 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 kind of see that happen and I kind of know that it won't. Yeah, same. Um Yeah. So, yeah, just, just that openness, as yeah. you said, that kind of... They, I think people know if you're genuine or not. I think as well, because you've gone in there with, like, a non-judgmental attitude towards them. They yeah. can't really judge you because Very you true. haven't judged them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, very true. That is, it's so important to have that non-judgmental. I've never looked at it like that, but after listening to that interview of yours that you did on Aiden, I was, like, thinking, oh, well, I've never experienced that, like, but it makes a lot of sense now, you know, just by not judging. Mm -hmm. I mean, not everyone, you know, you get... Arseholes everywhere, don't you? You're you know blaming, I mean? don't, don't you do. Yeah, of course you, get, you, you do. People that you're not going to get on with everyone, are you? There's idiots no. everywhere. Yeah, but majority of people being in sobriety now, like, are quite accepting. Yes, these days, you know, mm-hmm. I'm starting to feel that more. 
Yeah, and that's a lovely thing. It's a wonderful yeah. thing. It really is, you know, because baseline, the baseline here of any human, you know, we're human beings. Yeah. You know, and some of us, well, we got turfed into a chaotic life. Yeah. We? we never asked for this. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so we, we therefore, we've got to, you know, them cards yeah. that have been dealt, I've got to then kind of uh, learn to, oh, it, it took some learning, let me tell you, in some years. But uh, yeah. I've kind of got to, you know, manoeuvre through that crap and all the shit and come out the end and and, and, and and then, you know, God's given me a chance, Caitlin. I've got another chance at life, you know, and and there's no way that I'll abuse this. Yeah. There just isn't. Um, you know, and, and as you said, if I can help even just one person, you know, then then I you know, I'm very satisfied with that. Very yeah. satisfied. Because there was people there for me and always has been and if I hadn't have had them people there for me going, you know, well, I, I wouldn't be sitting here today and I just wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. People do play a big part, like, in, in my recovery as well. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't for, like, having connections with people. I don't think I'd be where I am. Even, like, me and you now sitting here, like, you know, we we, we connect. Yes. Because we've got that common bond absolutely through some shit you know yes yes not half gosh i'll say so (laughs) you know you were just saying then about like like things it's took some learning like curveballs and stuff Mm -hmm. like have you you know like in the past have you ever like tried to get clean yes and like you know you've had blips along the way Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. What's different now? Like, what works now that didn't or hasn't before? Like, what's changed for you? Um, well, there was, back in my addiction, you know, many, many a time, um, I believe, I'd even believe, you know, the, your own deluded mind and how this disease works, I'd, I'd, I'd believe, you know, and, and, and a saying of mine, Often, I'd use often was, um, oh, this is it. This is the last time I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Um, and I never was. No. I never, ever was. Um, I'd probably go out and get more that very day, you know. Um, so many a time. I, th- I think there, there, there was one time when I had my son, Zach, um, when he was born, because I had Holly before Zach. Oh, Holly was lovely. Holly's uh, everyone who knows me, yeah. Uh, Knows how much I love and adore my little girl. Um, yeah, she's she's an angel now, Holly. Yeah. Well, she she was an earth angel, anyways. She was an angel while she was with me. A yeah. uh, little girl who, who could never have and never did do anyone a wrong. Very, you know, from from an innocence born from a from a place of innocence. She was blind. She couldn't walk and she couldn't talk. And oh. um, you know, I um, I did my best by her, and we had. Lots of beautiful, fun-loving times and holidays with dolphins and yeah. uh, butlins and, and 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 all sorts of places. You know, we went. Um, but going back to Zach, um, on the longest time I think before finally getting it, um, when I had my son, I managed to get kind of like near on a year and a half not using. The hard drugs, you know, that I was taking. I I was a heroin addict, you know, Um, and and in the whole of, you know, 17 years or a bit longer, I was was using heroin for obviously other substances as well, Uh, cannabis and alcohol and and sometimes any tablets, Valium and uh, what was it back then? Mogadons, it was the sleepers. uh, there was other drugs before that, cocaine, while I lived in Spain, before I had my children for two years. Uh, but um, so I managed to stay on a script when my, st- when my son was born. Um, I was still having a bit of alcohol and I was still having a little bit of weed. But for me, that was excellent. Yeah. That was excellent. That was really, really good, you know, and I really thought, you know, I- I'm on my way now. And um, What do you think? Don't you know, I can control this? Mm-hmm. I haven't fucked up my life or anyone else's, so it's going well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you was on your way? I felt like I was on my way. Um, and I'd had bad times with Holly. I'd really, yeah. I mean, 
I, I, I've got to t- talk about this. Oh, yeah. One, one time when Holly was with me, um, it got that bad for me that I got totally drunk with a bottle of vodka one time and she's with me. And uh, all I wanted to do was go and score. And I remember the police coming. I think I rang them, to be honest. Not because I was, you know, anything, but I needed help. Yeah. So the police came and sat with me and they sat with me for hours and I can remember sitting with officers and just my daughter there and I think Holly might have gone for a sleep. I can't quite remember, to be honest, because I was out of it. And I can remember telling the police officers, being so honest and frank with them, I need to score, I have to go and score. So what we were waiting on that that night um, was for the respite carer to become free and come and get my daughter, you know, so... Um, and, and, and that was kind of me, like, in, in breakdown, crisis mode, in... You know, but even the police back then talking about people showing empathy, you know, they sat with me. They sat with me and they they didn't judge me. They didn't. I can remember that. And, you know, it, yeah. Um, it's that desperation, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so with my son, um, a year and a half, I think, you know, and then, and then of course, I got wind of there's heroin down the road one day and uh, I decided to go, you know, I collected yeah. him from the nursery, which was close by the flat and off I went. And then that was me back at it um, until I, until I, and, I, and I've sold heroin, you know, I've sold it um, to fund my habit. Um, well, it was, he's dead now, God love him, he died uh he died last year, September the 19th. The father of my children, this disease took him all the way. Uh, me and him used to go to Liverpool every day and get the heroin and we'd come back and we'd sell it, um, you know, to fund our habit. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So what, what, and part of your question then was what was it that, that, that finally uh, made me kind of like stop and what, what was... Well, Caitlin, it's very simple. I knew I was dying. Yeah. I wouldn't have made it to Christmas of um, 2014, but I didn't kind of really know the full extent of the damage that I'd done to my body or my mind and, you know, the organs. Um, So that lovely drug and alcohol counsellor managed to get me funding and get me in to the detox here in Wrexham and that was my third time there's something about the number three for me I love it I always say three's the magic number yeah it's your lucky number yeah and uh, she got me in and um, Holly was older at that time she was living in um, supported accommodation with another lady with similar disabilities to Holly and 24 hour staff you know so I knew Holly was all right Zach had gone to his grandmother's anyhow. She, thank God, she took him on um, so he didn't have to go down the care system route that I had, um, you know. And um, so it just transpired as I was as I was in treatment. You know, you get a lot of sort of, you get, they then start to look at your health and stuff. And I'd had hepatitis C, excuse me, um, inactive addiction. And um, they'd done biopsies on my liver and they, they'd tell me it's very scarred, it's very damaged, it's cirrhosed, there's lots of fatty spots and yeah. and, and and stuff on it, um, you know, to watch your alcohol intake, basically. And that was going through the hep C treatment, uh, which I, you know, um, gladly um, that was successful. Um, but after being in rehab, you know, it was kind of like finding out, you know, I've got chronic liver disease, cirrhosis of the liver, obstructive sleep apnea. I I, I guess, you know, and, and a personality disorder and, and, and stuff, but I think I was ready and I wanted it yeah. to just simply answer that question and not... Um, all these health conditions came out after yeah. once the substances have gone, all that damage of years and years that I'd done to myself. Um, but I knew that I wanted it and I knew that I was ready. I think, I think them two, I think they're very key. To, to getting and holding on and keeping and maintaining recovery. I couldn't agree um, more with you. I, I like, literally, I've just fed up. I wanted it myself. Mm-hmm. And straight away when you've just said that, 
that just breaks it down for me completely, what you're saying. I wanted it. Yeah. I wanted to change. Mm-hmm. So I try and do that every day. Well, I do that every day, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And... It's and you do, you've got a lovely twinkle in your eyes. Oh, you've got a lovely glow so about you. Yeah. girl, so have you. Thank you, thank you so much. But it wouldn't have worked for us before, would it? Never, you know? never in a million years. My goodness, the stubbornness in me, the, the I know better, the all them blimmin' daft traits, you yeah. know, that you, <laughs> you see now when you come to realise. Yeah, it was, oh, no, it was, you know, no, it wouldn't have, so it took me. Um, until I was just turned 42, you know, to get to really kind of... Um, I felt dead, though, Caitlin. I knew my soul was crushed. It yeah. was, uh, you know, mental health really, really badly damaged and affected and, you know, um, just so many... The, the, the whole life package, you know, the whole holistic life package around you, you know, the there was none of that. There was no healthy love. There was I was in a toxic, violent relationship then before I came into recovery. Um, you know what? It's so mad to imagine you because your positivity, like, where does that come from? Your, like, positive attitude and energy. Is it something that you developed or you've had it at an early age or... Is it something that you've had to adapt in recovery? And how how how's heroin? Like how did that affect your bubbliness and your positivity? Um I think I've always had it. Yeah. I think I've always had it. I've just probably a lot I mm, I think I think sometimes um Kind of like the negative cycle, okay? That negative pattern when we're in addiction. Yeah. Kind of like the 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 hamster wheel we can't get off. Yeah. So that would always win back then. Um, and I guess in recovery, more now, um, that's been able to break free and come through. Um, and and it's long standing now. Yeah. Because like, lots of people love my energy and I'm very... I'm very, I love that part of myself as well. I'm very blessed to have this, this, I do have a lot of drive, a lot of energy, a lot of, a lot of uh, enthusiasm. I've yeah. got, you know, for life and a big zest for life. I think it was always there. It was always within me. And and at times in my life, it would, it would it'd have moments where it'd break through and great times and, 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 and stuff like that and love and laughter and real connections, even in addiction. Um but in recovery, I must say, that's blossomed and it yeah. continues to blossom. Um, you know, I love people. I love being around people. Um, always been a people person. Um, but I also, given the con- health conditions I have today and all that, I have to be mindful of my energy. Yeah, what you give well. to. Yeah, and where my time's going. And so you learn all these things, yeah. how to live in recovery. You learn, I guess you learn things that you just didn't live by or didn't know about or how to do it, you know, in addiction and stuff. And so I'm very, I'm quite ritualistic on how I bring my day in today. Yeah. You know, um, I'll pray, I'll I'll, I'll bring my day in with God. I'll look at my spiritual principle for today. Like today's is unconditional love. It's the last, Mm -hmm. you know, so I'm going to put, bring that into my day in in however I can. Um, You know, I'll, I'll, it's all positive. It's all healing and peaceful stuff and totally not around um any chaos and stuff and and I was thinking about this this morning and I thought you know well if you spin the coin as well well your life was ritualistic as well in addiction yeah, it was I'd get up open my eyes I'd need that substance yeah. how was I going to get it that day what was I going to do what shops was I need to go in and shoplift who would they have to go and rob off yeah. to, 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 you know, <laughs> what's my lie today why am I in the Asda today with my bottle of wine and we're getting it for someone's birthday or yeah. buying it for yeah. she's got a problem any blag will do yeah. any blag will do yeah <laughs> So it was, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so today it's like it's it's still, you know, it's 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 um, it's a it's a it's a ritual of resilience. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. 
So, and I love it. I love it. I wouldn't, um, it gives me so much joy and love in my heart, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, It's mad though, because we gravitate towards chaos, but like, mm -hmm. I don't know about you, Rach, but like most people that I've met, like who are also in like recovery, very, we like order. Every, I think that every addict or alcoholic, whatever you want to say, has got some form of OCD, even if yes. it's a little bit. Mm -hmm. We we need that a bit of order in that chaos, mm -hmm. but we do love, we do we love a bit of chaos. Yes, we, do. we just we don't we just towards it, yeah. don't we? Like bonkers people, bonkers situations. Absolutely, we have like a chaos radar. Yeah, <laughs> we, <laughs> we know, you know, it. absolutely, and and and. You know, like, here's, here's a story for you. One time, right, uh, my brother's passed away now, God rest his soul, but one time I, I went to Manchester, okay, to, and that was to get off the drugs back then. Yeah. You know, he tried to help me now and again, God love him, and, and we didn't know the disease of addiction and the power of it and all and, and all of that stuff back then. Yeah. So I've gone to Manchester and I managed to do, what was it? No, a few days I'm thinking of another time, 25 days popped in, that was another time. I've done a few days at his and I can remember the first night, okay, it was, I, I was taking these tablets back in the day, they were dehydrocodine and we used to call them DF-118s. <laughs> um, and they, they've they got, um, they've got like uh, opioid, opi you know, um, uh, yeah, the opioid, like you know. Like the codeine. Yeah, that, yeah. That type that, of. That, that. Yeah. And so I'd stop using, I'd put the heroin down and I'd, I think I'd been on them for about four, four days. Anyway, I remember taking the last one, okay, and I broke it into half. 12 hours later that night, oh, my goodness, it was coming out of both ends, I have to say. The withdrawal, gone into withdrawal. Oh, God. Right, opioid withdrawal. So, I've, yeah. I've heard it's meant to be. Oh, it's... And I was, I was like, you know, to my brother and all that, in agony, get me to the A&E, you got an ambulance. <laughs> and he was hopeless, man. He was like, he was out of the room. It was his, uh, his girlfriend at that time was getting me a cold compress, helping me this that and that and I kind of you know all it would have been if he had to take me to the hospital was a sitting A&E like in that state um but but where I'm going with this where I'm going with this story is the the very next morning as rough as I am right this is the fucking sheer determined will of an addict I'm up right and I'm thinking who I've got many on me social but there I'm, I'm down the poey yeah. the poey look even talking like I did back in the day <laughs> I'm down the post office right and um, so I'm stood in the queue The my, I think my brother was with me at that point wasn't he behind me he probably wanted a bit of cash off me anyway <laughs> so just hush money yeah, aim to just yeah, you know, yeah. sweet so what I'm doing is I know I'm in Manchester now and I'm thinking right there's going to be it's nine o'clock Poey's open post office doors are open there's going to be somebody here and there was a big old queue yeah so that radar, I'm going back to radar. Oh, yes, I've clocked somebody. <laughs> I've got, I'm rattling right. I'm in full blow rattling. And I've walked over and I says, Hiya, love. You know, and she's looked down at me, right? And I've gone, Listen, listen. I says, uh, Do you know what I can get? Oh, yeah, love. Oh, oh. My man, that was a Manchester accent. <laughs> I can do accents. I do a good accent. All right, our kids. All right, our kids. All right. So, no, that's a bit scouser. Um, but yeah, no, she was like, um, yeah, 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 come with me after, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting the score. So that was me, I was boxed up. And then immediately, as soon as you just hear them words, yeah. you know, you can get this is the fucking madness of this disease. That's where I get me, you, got me buzz from. You, you know, the, that anxiety yeah. comes down a bit. You it's know, like, you know I know it. I'm going to score, yeah. right? It's in the post. I know what I need is on its way to me That's a big already. Buzz. That was a bigger buzz for me, Rachel, than the actual act of doing it, even getting it in my hands, whether it was a bottle of vodka mm. or a bag of Coke. Mm. Just that deal is on its way or whatever. That feeling, mm. I, like, I'm literally... Me, I've got that sick feeling in my stomach. Yeah. The excitement of that was more The anticipation, of a isn't it? It's, actually yeah. having it, the substance in yeah, it, honestly. Yeah. So we had to, um, we queued up and that took a bit of time. That was, say, like another 40 minutes. And then I think she'd ordered anyway for herself. But bless her, she took me back to hers, you know, and I was able to get then and use because I needed to use, I had to use yeah. at that point. You know, I was poorly, I couldn't have... 
I, I, there was no way that I could have gone through the the withdrawal and held no. the rattle on. There just wasn't. It wasn't my time to stop. Um, but God loved my brother, you know. He really did try. He locked me in a house one time as well. My house it was. He was living with me. 25 days he got me to. Bloody but he, he kept me on the alcohol and weed because <laughs> he knew yeah. how much of a hardcore addict I was. So, he, you know, he thought I better go a bit easy with the. But then yeah. I, I, one day he went to the toilet, I jumped through the window, didn't I? got out. Oh, my God. <laughs> 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 Pissed off and scored that day, you know. So oh. as many a story, Caitlin. But yeah. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely bonkers. Mm-hmm. Hey, Rach, so what are some things, because you are quite a caring person. Oh, yeah. Like, from what I, how I know you, you know, I've got to know you a bit now. Yeah. And, um, like, what are some things, as a caregiver, people should look out for when, like, they want to support or help someone who's struggling with addiction or someone who's still in the grips of addiction? How would you go about helping someone in that position? <laughs> without putting yourself in danger Mm. because this disease believe it or not it's um it rubs off you know it does rub off on your family members and 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 there is a real danger of of the caretaking thing and the rescuing and the enabling you know that will go on and i have very very real and raw experience of getting into a relationship with somebody recently where i did them things yeah you know, I even, being an addict in recovery, I still um, rescued, enabled, um, and I did. I got drawn into that. Uh, I won't blame that person, yeah. but because it, it, it was me that was doing that. It was me that was allowing that to happen. Um, so your question is, how would you... What you've got to do, what you've got to really do, and it's easier said than done, but, it, it, it you know, practice and you, you'll get there. You have to, you're going to have to look out for signs first, okay? Yeah. Are they asking you for money? Are they taking up too much of your time? Are you starting to feel down and a bit sort of like, you know, your energy's gone around this person a lot? Um, You know, uh, are they manipulating you? You've got to look out, are you being manipulated here? Um, You know, and are they drawing you into their deceit, their world? of lies and chaos and, and unmanageability and all the rest of it, you know, emotional, inward unmanageability, yeah. you know, because of the chaos and, and the, the, the the addict's mind when they're in active addiction. Um, so what you really have to do, you've got to put boundaries in. Boundaries are so important yeah. and then boundaries have got to be, you know, look... Um, and you've got to be honest with them. You've got to, you've got to put them boundaries in. And and why I say the boundaries, you know, because you've got to protect yourself. Yeah. You know, even if you're a non-addict, even if you you were just sort of like the mother to an addict, or the brother or sister, or the the father or the niece or nephew or auntie or uncle or friend, you know, or or, or work colleague, or you know. Um, even if you're someone close to the addict yeah. and you've got no personal experience of addiction, you have got to, for your own sanity, safety and well-being, you have to put boundaries in. And, you know, I'm not saying don't be there for them. I'm saying watch yourself as you're there for them. Yeah. You know, and there's a lovely saying, and I love this, and I use it a lot in my recovery, and it's called detach with love. So what that kind of means is you're stepping back from it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. You step in, you're going right, you know, I love you, love you, but I can't do this for you. Yeah. It's your addiction. It's not mine. And and and, and when I say these things, I'm kind of I'm I'm talking, I guess, about this what I've learned from yeah. the year I was just been with. I'm seven months out of a relationship now. I was with an alcoholic for a year, fell in love, got heartbroken within that, but learned so much. Yeah. Learned so much. And I guess it was my husband, my ex-husband rather dying 
that really put the uh, the terms I'm using the nail in the coffin, um, or pulled the nail out of the coffin, right? However you want to look at that, yeah. that really got me to properly end that relationship I was in because it had it it, it it was draining me, you know, and it was dangerous for me. Yeah, it was being around um, a, a somebody that's using and bless them that's in the despairs and the depths of, of addiction. Yeah. Um, you know, so I've seen the monster from the other side because I have been the monster. Yeah. I've been totally. the monster and I've also seen the monster within someone else. And I still got love for this person and I pray for them. They're always in my prayers. You know, I pray morning and night, sometimes throughout the day as well when I have to. Serenity prayer is a beautiful prayer. I have it tattooed on my arm. Yeah, I like the serenity um, yeah. It was one of the first tattoos I got when I left um, treatment yeah. here in Wrexham. Um you know, so I always hold them in prayer, but I, I can love someone from a distance today. That's brilliant. You lo- yeah. yeah, yeah, and, you know, because I wouldn't wish this disease upon anyone, no. Caitlin. I really, really wouldn't. It's I know for sure it, it's the hardest thing I've ever come up against, and it always will be. It always will be, you know, because it's a war, isn't it? It's a battle. It's a yeah. daily battle uh, when you're in the clutches and the grips of active addiction. Um. So, yeah, you've really got to look out for you, you know, yeah. and, and, and and just try and get them the help that they need. Try and help them to get. But you see, you can do that as well. You have to. So what I did with my ex-partner, he, he, he could talk the talk. Yeah. He'd say it and you'd get that vibe. Oh, my gosh, he kind of does want this. But. He wouldn't walk the walk. His actions, they yeah. are his his. He would say it, but his actions proved different. You know, and there were lots of things that the penny started to drop with me. Yeah. And I thought, nah, nah, this is, no, nope, this even is. Even though you've been, you've been him before. Mm-hmm. There's no bigger bagger than, it's like looking in the mirror, isn't it? We've yeah. done it all before. They can't pull a trick on us because mm-hmm. we've been the trickster ourselves. Absolutely. You can be blinded by love, can't Yes. You? And you can't see it when it's right in front of your face mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for you to be able to, you know, Walk away from that. Yeah. And, you know... And it wasn't easy. It took a bit of doing. Well, for you to be able to do that and to be sad today and, you know, you're just living for you now. You know what I mean? Yeah. The best relationship, Caitlin, I'll ever have in this world, I'm going to say it out loud and proud, the first one is with God, but do you know what? The second one is with myself. Because I tell you for why, who who am I living with day in, day out? And for the longest, you know, with me. Exactly. So therefore I have to extend that love that I give to others so freely as well. It it has to begin with me. Totally. It's got to come from here and and, and, and I can do that today. Yeah. but yeah, big lessons learned from from um, the relationship, you know, that that I was in, and I don't regret it, and I'm grateful for it because I obviously needed to learn all that and heal in areas yeah. that I hadn't healed in, you know, because the layers keep coming off, more is being revealed all the time. There's always constant learning, constant growing, constant evolving, constant change, and emotions um, as well. Ooh, God, <laughs> feelings, oh my feelings. God. What did they say? The good thing about what is it? The good, good thing, thing about recovery is you get your feelings back. The, the bad, bad thing, thing about recovery is you get your feelings back. Yeah. Honestly, that's all I used to read in treatment. Yeah, I finally start to get it now. But speaking about feelings, Rach. Yeah. In um, me interviews, like with Emma and Marcus, mm-hmm. they were talking about because they were both in the grips of heroin addiction. Mm-hmm. Same as yourself, like yeah. that was the primary substance. And they were talking about um, what it was like to get clean and the first ever belly laugh they did or had experienced. Do you remember what that was like for you? Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> and I go plenty of them today. Yeah, because you're um, quite a boring, like, person. Yeah. You, you just <laughs> laugh at me, like, but, like, what was it like? What was it like <sighs> not being like... Because I can't imagine you... Being like, not like that. I'm not like this. I can't yeah. imagine you like being like. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know do, I mean? do include me. I, I have me moments. I have me moments, but more so than often, they are behind closed doors, and I yeah. just I'm able to get through them. You know, I'm human as anyone else. But I do love life, and I have a zest, and I love to laugh, and I love people who can make me. And I love making people laugh, yeah. Caitlin. Um, so the first belly laugh, right? <laughs> it 
was what a what a oh gosh I, I don't think I could stop and I and I sometimes I can go I, I call it I'm having episodes people that really know me when I get the giggles at something yeah. sometimes it's things that are very inappropriate too you know where you're not to laugh at sometimes that can set me off more yeah. <laughs> you know it's like in school you know when the yeah. teacher's like shut up and yeah. you just can't stop. Uh, yeah so you know I am I'm not so bad you know I can I, I have an awareness of it and I and I, and I can you know I can rein it in um, but the first time that real real proper belly laugh oh it's a brand new world it's a brand new world it's um something highly spiritual about it there's something I think it's fucking hell it's even might might be moving me. I'm getting emotional now thinking about it yeah um yeah that first um real belly laugh um is everything it's like you've walked into or you 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 you're just placed in a new world and um because I love laughter, you know, and and a sense of humour. It's okay for me to get vulnerable. I don't mind because these are feelings. It's real. It's raw. It's you know, it, it shows you how much laughter means to me. Yeah. Um, sense of humour has been a big part of my survival, a big part of my life. Um, and I guess being able to laugh at yourself and the absurdity and laugh at. You know, um, in time, sometimes you, you're able to even laugh at, and I mean this in a in a spiritual way, you're, you're even able to get a bit of a laugh at some of the pain that you go through, you know, and I don't know whether people will get a, a concept of that. Um, or may, <laughs> I don't think it's just me. No, I think, you know, but um, that, that first belly laugh is... Um, when you've been in addiction, you know, for so long and you've not, you've managed to do a sarcastic snigger or a, that's all you can muster up, you know, when you're in that drudge, that uh, life of despair, that all darkness. And, and so, so, so to get that first belly laugh and really laugh and really feel it move within you and feel your heart open up and be so connected to the moment with people um, is is monumental you know wow it's yeah. really it really is something and I, th- I guess when I experienced that being the addict that I am because I'm, I'm still an addict I'm just in oh. recovery <laughs> I guess I was like that Caitlin I want more of that <laughs> I, love that yeah. I want more of that laughter stuff that's brilliant I love that honestly so um yeah, yeah, it was. It's it's something wondrous. Something um, I never get stuck for words, me, you know. But sometimes I'm noticing as my journey in recovery goes on because it's so amazing. Sometimes I do feel my, I feel myself a bit sort of fumbling for words, and I mean that in the in the magnitude of 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 how like amazing and miraculous you know and how much it means to me i guess how much it means to me yeah yeah it's amazing we are resilient people very been through a lot mm-hmm mm-hmm absolutely you know today in your story so view yeah a lot yeah you know so rach just going back to you know in the grips of your addiction for like other like mums and dads you know like parents out there who are in addiction, like what type of support do they have or what type of people get involved? Like that must be hard. Like what's that like? Yeah. Um, you know, when, when I was in active addiction, um, I guess one of the main, um, agencies that, that, that get involved and, uh, they've probably been with me, you know, well, obviously different ones um, since I was young are, are always social services. Um, that's one of the main ones. Um, and when you're an addict, you know, when you, you've got children, which I had, yeah. um, they were involved and, um, you know, my children went on the child at risk uh, registers um, quite a few times and I was able to get them off. Um and it's difficult. It is. It's. 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 Um, you know, lots of things. When my daughter was in my care, um, mm. one morning I've woke up and I have a stair lift for Holly. I've put Holly on the stair lift to come down. It's early morning, and I hadn't strapped her in properly, so I'm bringing the stair lift down, 
and stupid me, there's about one or two stairs to go. We're at the bottom. But I just left her. Come in. I just left her there and went to the kitchen to put the kettle on for a coffee. I've heard her scream. She's come out of the stair lift. Uh, she's, she's blind, you know, she can't move yeah. and that. So she's got bruises and stuff on her face. And, and I can remember... I was working at that time. Well, they had me in with what was called back then the Drug and Alcohol Rapid Response Team. It was called the DART Team. And I can remember this social worker, that some of the social workers, I would feel that they thought I might have been hurting my daughter, even previous to this. Yeah. Um, I never physically hurt my daughter, never in my life. Um, the only harm I did do to her would be when I was using, I would put her up in her bedroom. Um, she had a soft play bed with 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 toys, yeah. musical toys and stuff, and she would go up there for sometimes for hours on end. I can't lie. Um, so you know, I wasn't actually present and giving her at times the the giving her time and attention yeah. because of my habit. Um, so I just remember the anxiety about you know. Of course, I told them straight away what had happened with Holly. And then they'd have big meetings, you know, and they'd have to come to my house and they'd and they'd sit with me and they'd listen. But then some of the workers would say, "Well, why you? You've got nothing to worry about." And all, but they they didn't have that understanding that I am Holly's mum. I love her so much. I've not done anything to her physically like this. Um, but my mind, because I'm the, is thinking that you're all thinking this. Yeah. So that there in itself brings that part of anxiety. And that paranoia. Yes, absolutely. But I would, you know, I would come through and they genuinely believed me, which, you know, but it was horrible, the processes. The actual process and, and, and all of that is, it, it is horrific. Sounds like you're on bloody trial. <coughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like each I, time they're coming mm, around, like you're on mm, trial or mm, something. I can't, I can't put it any better than that. Sounds nerve-wracking, to be honest. Very, very. But then the... Also, the other side of me, I would, I would know, and this is for an addict, you know, just to connect with the addicts that, that kind of still are in addiction. And what I would do, I would, I would always sort of have a have a heads up that they would come, and I would make sure the house was clean and tidy. But I guess a lot of these social workers are trained, and they they they, they can see through a lot of stuff, and yeah. we don't even see that. But going off from social services, I just really want to talk about this final part with them. Um, when I came into recovery, you know, um, I lost Holly at two years clean, um, my daughter. And, you know, thank God to to that support network, what we've touched on, you know, having yeah. good people in your life today. You know, I never picked up and, and, and that's, you know, a miracle within itself. And But the journey was, for me, I was told on coming into rehab and stuff, you know, and getting my own place, um, living six months in the community, that my son would come over um, and stay with me for weekends and and and, and the like. And so my journey was I, I ended up staying in a... After I completed my rehab, I ended up staying in their sober house for 18 months um, because I still knew, you know, I didn't want to rush out and get my own place. I wanted to take it very slowly because um, it was all new to me, you know, being in recovery and it meant everything. I did eventually get a flat, a two-bedroomed one. I ended up decorating the room for my son. Um, it's lovely, it still is. Um, and that never came to fruition. Um, he never, and my head at the time would think, this is social services, um, uh, you know, not allowing this to happen or even this is his parental grandmother, the mother of his dad, uh, not allowing my son to come. Um, because my son went there from about the age of eight or nine, it, it would be. Um, and so for years, you know, having to go through that um, was, was very hard, very hard. Um, I'd go to the review meetings and I'd sit round a table and I'd go in on my own and I'd be promised an advocate and it would never come to light. So I'd, I'd, I'd go to attend for my son and it always felt like them and, and his nana against me. I have to tell you how it, how it, how it felt for me. Yeah. I've recently compiled this in an email, actually, to social services because there's been recent events, family issues, which I, I, I won't go into. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, 
So it's kind of historical with them throughout the journey with my son. And again, adversity is the word I'm going to use there. Um, and there was one incident, you know, that occurred um, when my daughter did pass away. And um, I met with the family in Colwyn Bay to scatter her ashes. And um, her dad had turned up. And of course, he's still in active addiction. My son was present and uh, my son's nana, who he lives with, so we all went down. We chose a lovely spot in Colwyn Bay by the beach there where Holly lived. And there was a bit of chaos over the ashes in the back of her car because I didn't have any of my daughter's ashes. So the father and my kids were sorting me out some. And then his mum got angry, you know, oh, I wish I'd have come on my own, blah, blah. Anyway, we did it. And then we all piled it back in the car. We get, it's now my unsupervised contact with my son. Um, and I'm taking him off to the cinema until I did know that's the plan for the day. And bear in mind, they have these health conditions and stuff. And I've travelled a big old train to get to, from Wrexham to Colwyn Bay. Um, and uh, so as I was leaving the shopping precinct, he he decides to sail along with us, um, my son's dad and Holly's dad. And he wanted money from me and I wouldn't give it him. Um and he seen me give our son his pocket money and my son, which was £10, and my son wanted to go and buy these football cards from a shop there in Colwyn Bay. And he did, and his dad took him. So a little error on my behalf, because I've, I've everything's planned, we've got a train to catch, boom, 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 I used to have to plan it all. Yeah. I had to go to the cash machine, didn't have time in the morning to go and get the money for our cinema and stuff. Uh, they've gone into the shop, they've come to meet me, they're giggling amongst themselves. And my son immediately says, and my son at this point it must only be about uh, 11, 10, 11, 11, about 11. And he says something along the lines of, um, oh, mum, mum, the, the, the cards were half price. So I knew instantly and I didn't react. And I just went, oh, right, son, you know that. But I knew, I knew. Yeah. And then his dad starts giggling. Now his dad's still in addiction. And, and he says, uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, uh, I lifted them. I got them for Zach, you know, and, and, and then it dropped. I thought, oh, yeah, he wants money and that. So I couldn't get major angry and I, I'm stressed because I've, I've got to take, you know, and I've yeah. just scattered my daughter's ashes. It's a lot. Just scattered my daughter's ashes, right? Uh, but but I'm going on to what social service has done with me. Yeah. Um, so then I said, you know, I said, well, why did you do that? I said, you both could have been in a police cell right now. What the heck? You know, blah, blah, blah. Come on, Zach. And then my son's worried on the journey. Yeah, you're going to tell Nana. You're going to tell Nana. So then I'm thinking of him then. I'm thinking, oh, I'm, I'm not. No, no, I won't. I won't say nothing. Anyhow, we went. We had a great day. I took Zach back. And then I spoke with a sponsor at the time the next day. And she said, right, you know what you're going to have to do now, don't you? Is like, get honest and all that. But in hindsight, with experience, I mean, this brought me a lot of harm and damage by doing this. But I still stand by the fact that I'll be honest. So the next day I did ring up his nana, took, made her aware. She was like, oh, yeah, I wish she wasn't there and all that. And she, I, you do know, Rachel, I have to tell social service. Yeah, yeah, absolutely tell social service. I've got nothing to hide. I've done nothing wrong. I'm telling you what yeah. occurred yesterday. Well, wasn't that used against me? i tell you something now. And, and I say this, right, because... Any other mum and dad out there could have easily, easily picked up on this, you know, picked up the substance, right? Because you've just lost your firstborn child, okay? And you've got so social services, what they've done with me, they took away my supervised contact, unsupervised rather. They they put it to supervised for a year and a half and I had to travel. I had no car and wasn't driving at that point. I had to travel in my car. You can tell I've still got feeling about all the oh, hurt yeah. and all, you know. Yeah, I had to travel. Friends had to take me every week to sit and be supervised in a room. And that was from having unsupervised and I'm the one that's in recovery and I'm the one that's been honest and I'm the one that's not stolen, you know? I was just thinking So, that. so, yeah. and lots of, and, 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 and did they take, were they compassionate around the scattering of my daughter's ashes? I have to say no. So I went through, you know, thank God, the fellowships and, 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 and all the friends and the recovery network carried me through that adversity God, again. Yeah. So, you know, which brings me to now. So, and what I've recently said to the social worker, there's disrupt, dis, dis, disturbances in the family at the moment. Um, 
And I've handled it with dignity. I've not reacted. The old me wanted to. Uh, an incident's occurred uh, with the nana and my son. I won't go into it. And, um, you know, I've been able to hold my head up high and, and do the responsible thing, go down the right avenues and handle it correctly. Um, but I did compile an email and I did put the historical events in there. And I did yeah. ha- have the nouse about me to say to my, my son's new social worker, do you know what? All this will be invaluable because I've done it before for t- trainee social workers coming up. Um, you know, to know that the because sometimes them social workers that are sat around a table that deal with people like you and myself or like others, you know, many others, they still think you're that using addict. Well, yeah, like, they don't look at you any different. Did no one gives you a chance? Mm. Like you've got to mm. prove yourself mm. almost. And I she, oh, she's wrong. been thirty odd years in addiction. Nah, she ain't changing. She yeah. ain't changing. So you feel all that, and you know you're going in. You're up against that, but you know what? I'd go, I'd go, and I'd even have a cry, and I'd even slam doors, and I'd, yeah. you know. But but the 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 what they've said to me recently, they can see the huge change within me. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not far off getting a diploma in counselling and psychotherapy. Fantastic, you know. Much. Thank you so much, thank you. Um, but I just want mums and dads to know, you know, that you can do it. You can do it, no matter what, no matter. Don't pick up them substances. Yeah. Don't pick up no matter what. You know, plug in, get connected, stay with the winners um, and give yourself the best chance you're ever going to give yourself in your life, you know, because that's my experience. Amazing. Connections with people. Yeah. Just like we're Mm -hmm. connecting now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Amazing. Absolutely. And a beautiful, beautiful day and time, you know, this has been today. It's, um, It's one of them kind of... Like a milestone, if you will, you know, that a yeah. memory that I'll hold on to. Um, Brilliant, yeah. love that. Well, it's been amazing having you today, Rachel. You know, I look forward to doing another little interview in the future. I'd love to. Yeah. I would love to, Caitlin. Well, thanks for coming on today, Rach. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much for having me. If you've been affected by any of the topics in this episode, please reach out to a trusted contact or seek a professional for support. So that was Rachel's episode and that wraps up the end of season one of the Recovery Hub podcast, Life After Addiction. Since starting this podcast, I've met some amazing people. Each person's story has impacted me in a positive way and has contributed to my own recovery journey in one way or another. The feedback we've received from people has been overwhelmingly positive and I cannot believe that this is even real. I'm so proud at what we at Eternal have produced. Whilst this may be the end of season one, this doesn't mean it's the end of the podcast. We will be back with more amazing and inspiring stories. Thank you for listening.